Good morning. You want to go ahead and say something to Mike? So we're good. Yes, thank you, Sharon, for causing me to ball my face off just before I come up on the stage. But <laughs> David, yes. will you try something? One, two, three. Hey, Jimmy, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Let's go. <laughs> Everything's working. Look at that. What a miracle. You guys know leading churches. It's a miracle when the technology works. Yes. It doesn't matter what you get, how yes. many times you practice it. It's just a gift, right, Jimmy? So here it is. I got a scripture for that. Oh, right? please. So Ephesians 2, it says, the enemy is the prince of the power of the air. So he is always trying to confuse communication. What's the number one breakdown in marriage? It's communication. Right. What's the number one breakdown in church? What's the number one breakdown in society? It's communication. Well, now, uh, and what do you communicate with? So everything of communication has to be prayed over consistently because the enemy is always at work trying to muddle communication. That's true. That's right. There you go. That's right. We just call it the demon of technology. Yes, exactly. It's a little less theologically sound than what you just I wanted to give you a little more strength behind that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to be uh, orienting this conversation around spending time with Jesus. As you know, part of our church, one of our five values is personal devotion. Jesus tells us that we can do nothing unless we abide in him, which I don't even really want to fully believe that. I'd like to be able to believe I can still do some things in my power, but not according to him. So these folks have been living personally devoted to Jesus for a long, long time, been spending time with Jesus, been praying, reading the Bible, obeying him, responding to him. And so I have just asked them to come and sit with us. And we're in this setting, but I've asked them to talk to us as if they were with one of us at coffee. And we were really, really hungry to learn from them and say, teach me how to spend time with God. I want to spend time with Jesus. Teach me what you know. So if you're not there... That's where we're going, and you just get caught up in the river, and we'll go with it in that, that hunger. So I hope you're ready to get coffee with these folks and say, would you just teach me how to spend time with God? Teach me how to live personally devoted. Just say anything. I don't, you can't offend me. Just, I don't, I'm not going to think you're legalistic. Just tell me how I want to love Jesus. So that's what we're doing. You guys ready for that? Ready. Awesome. So... <laughs> so uh, we, um, I'm just going to jump right in because we got 43 minutes, so we're going to make the most use of it. The first broad question when it comes to like spending time with God is, like I mentioned, you can kind of get into the legalist category or whatever, but you've been doing this for a while. You've been through a few things. So tell me, do I really have to spend time with God every day? And why or, or why not? Like, is that, is every day like something the superstars do and I'll be okay with some of it? Or is every day actually necessary? And if it is, tell me why. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I think that should always be the ultimate goal. But if you can't, it's okay. You know, because this is not a legalistic relationship. It's a relationship. And, you know, I want to be able to speak to the Lord as much as possible, anytime, place, anywhere. But sometimes circumstances just don't allow. So I'm not going to feel condemned if I can't. But I should want to spend as much time with them as I can. Well, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) David already warned me. He said he's just going to agree with Elaine the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I think that the uh, uh, like everything, the why is more important than the what. 
so why would I want to spend time <laughs> alone in word worship and prayer? And I, I, like I said, some of the things, if you look back on your life, there were just sovereign things that were said to you that stuck. And somewhere when I was in, in, uh, in college and I was asking people, I heard this word quiet time as a new believer. And I asked them, what does that mean? And a buddy of mine who definitely had got saved about the same time, but like, you know, uh, it was the blind leading the blind. And so I said, hey, man, what do I do? And, and um, he said, hey, I've, I've trying to, been trying to figure this out, too. And everybody says, you got to read your Bible, you need to pray, you need to sing a song, and all that stuff. He said, I actually think all that's right. He said, but remember, we're trying to get to know a person. Don't ever miss the person in the midst of the process. And so what it became for me was, I'm looking for him. I'm trying to get to know him. And the word of God helps me. Prayer helps me. Worship helps me. They're my tools, but I'm trying to get to know him. And there's certain things that if I could run around the world and drop these in everybody's head and like that you would think like that this is what I would desire. Like sometimes you see me preach, I'm like, oh, I just want to stuff this in your head. And, And that is this. I can say the number one thing, one through 10 for me on my own walk with Jesus has been spending every day meditating on who is God the Father, who is Jesus and who is the Holy Spirit, as he reveals himself in Scripture, that's, that's the beginning, and that's, the, and that's what I carry throughout the day. So when you, when you biblically get in your heart, you know, you want me together on Mother's womb, I will give thanks to you, for I'm fearfully wondrous and made. What of all your works? And my soul knows it very well. When I know that I am made in the image of God and loved by God, then I can access him through the blood of Jesus and the cross is complete. And then I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. So now I've got a dialogue to draw from all day long. So if I wake up late or something happens or I'm not able to sit down and do all the things that I would like to do or... or uh, then I'm, I'm not I'm not grasping at straws because I've I've, I've anchored into a person. So th- this is this is the, the 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 make or break of this thing, right? Because you can get on a good run where like in a season of your life, man, for 30 days or like man for months, I've had a consistent devotional life, and then something happens, a crisis, the apple cart tips. Something goofy happens in life, and you feel so undone. But if you don't know where to go back to, or you haven't, mm-hmm. you just a few scriptures that are your go-tos about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then even if I'm on a plane and, I mean, I, I, just, I just access God. I mean, there's a, there's a portal. There's just, I mean... I'm, I'm controlling myself because that, that thought is so amazing. And, and, and what I, what I, I just I need to say this because I may not get it in later. There's a portal in this place. And if, if you're wondering, okay, that sounds like charismatic hoo-ha. Where do you get that from? Genesis 28. Abraham, I mean, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. It's Abraham. No, it's Jacob's. Jacob's. Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. <laughs> there we go. Wow, what a theologian he is. <laughs> Jacob, 
Uh, Jacob has this encounter with God, and it's the open heaven, the angel descending and descending. But all that is is a prophetic picture of the cross, that through the blood of Jesus, that heaven would be open, the open portal would be available for the people of God unhindered, as it was in a very profound way for Jacob in Genesis 28. And then what happens is God visits places that are worship, that, that create a place of hunger and worship and holiness. It becomes a highway and that portal opens to a people. Like that, I am always have access to God by the grace of God. And you do as well. But there's something about when a people get hungry that God begins to rest in a place. And I just want you to know, there is an open, this is a space. When you guys come into here, this is holy ground. You should be expectant. The voice of the Lord is easy to hear in this place. And no matter all the, the ambitions we have for you, the power of your calling is you hearing God. And when you're with people that are hungry for God, you're going to hear God better than when you're just alone doing the best you can. Anyway, I'll stop. So I think you build a foundation from an early believer, because I remember being taught to do quiet times as well. You know, you build a foundation um, of discipline and regularity and things like that. And then, you know, you've got something to stand on because... You know, from wherever you're standing, I mean, I was unmarried, single when I, you know, really committed my life to the Lord. And that's a different life to when you're at home with children. And Eight children. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and how, how do you pray? How do you maintain that lifestyle, you know, when you barely have a minute to yourself? from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, well, there are ways and means. Because it still is based on a relationship. I've already got built a foundation of discipline. So I can get in the car and I can, you know, speak in tongues for like as long as it takes me to get to the grocery store. And that's me done for the day. I mean, I'm sustained by that. Or when I get lie down at bed at night, you know, that I just connect and I, you know, tell the Lord or first thing when I get up or if I've got a, you know, I mean, there's ways and means of maintaining a, whatever walk of life you're in. But yes, first build the foundation so you're standing on something solid. I mean, different things come at different times. I remember having a teaching, uh, I think it would be back in the late 80s or 90s, um, about using the Lord's Prayer. Larry Lee, wasn't that the name of the guy? I love Do that. you remember Larry Lee? <laughs> uh, see, we're old. Um, so, and he would take the Lord's Prayer, you know, and, and how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And that stuck with me. So when, you know, when I'm really feeling a, a bit on the dry side, and I think, oh Lord, you know, the list is yay long, but I just want to have time with you, I just want to connect with you. Where do I start? Well, you know, my father, you know, who's in heaven. You know, your name's wonderful. And then you start worshipping him, and, and then I go through. And sometimes I don't make it through the whole thing, but it's a framework. You know, you've got a foundation, you've got framework, things that you learn throughout your Christian life. 
And then you, you can just relate to him. You know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever stage of life you're in, you can connect with Jesus. So. You guys are talking about, and you've talked about a handful of different things, Jimmy. You mentioned like word, worship, prayer, or the Lord's Prayer, or um, you said, and then you made the comment, you know, season, something along the lines of seasons come and go, and life changes, and all kinds of different things. What have you learned about how to stay focused on, on Him and make spending time with God about God, not just like not just a routine or how do we, what have you learned about staying in love and growing in love with God rather than just the tools, like leveraging the tools and using the tools, but not getting, are you guys tracking with me? Like sometimes life changes. I'm like, ah, my time with God doesn't look like it used to. Do I love him as much as I used to? Or like, I don't do the Lord's prayer as much as I used to. So am I praying as much? Or like, was that just a tool or is that? No, but you mentioned, you know, like it's all about him. Because your life is an act of worship. Yes. That's where you have to start. It's not just my prayer time or just when I'm singing a song. My getting up at four o'clock in the morning to feed a baby is an act of worship. Because that child is a kingdom investment. My investment in this child is for eternity. You know, this is an eternal thing. So it's, if Jesus sees it, as an act of worship, then I have been worshiping him. And so it just, it's how you see the whole picture of your life. You know, if you're in a job, if you're at school, you know, it's the attitude of the heart and the mind. Do, am, I, am I representing Jesus wherever I am? And if I see it that way, because he sees it that way, I'm always representing him, therefore I'm always worshiping. I'm not really ever off. It's always on. You know, it's just, am I thinking that way? Am I looking through that lens as opposed to, oh, I'm doing my job and then I come home to have time with Jesus? No. I've, I've been having time with him all day because I'm representing him. I'm serving him whatever I do, wherever I am. You know, I'm a child of God and I'm, I'm offering my life to him. So. And, and it's helpful for people often that, um, uh, feel that they're failing because they don't have three hours in prayer when they get up every morning. Um, but you can, not I'm saying you shouldn't, but you can pray anytime. Like what, what I call arrow prayers. Like, you know, you're driving from here to there and you may only, like if I'm alone in the car driving, that's a good time to pray. And... Uh, and God hears those arrow prayers. I remember uh, I was out um, uh, just a little bit out of town, uh, and I sat in a parking lot and prayed for, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour or something. And I was asking the Lord to make it really clear where he wanted us to go. And I, that was just it. And I said, Amen. And I picked my phone up. And... There was an email arrived in that moment at my phone. Will you please come to Athens? So I just, I, 
I just replied, yes. <laughs> I need spray anymore. Usually I... Usually, now, if it had been Buffalo, I might have thought twice. But no, I'm not saying, oh, there's no one here from Buffalo. But uh, I couldn't even have, have to ask a lady. Well, I did ask her, but... Um, and, and I thought, well, this is obviously God. You know, this is the funny thing. I wasn't feeling all that spiritual. I was just saying, well, Lord, you know. But God takes our prayers seriously. And he answers them. And so, I mean, I think another time we were going through a massive crisis in our church. It was absolutely awful. The, the enemy had sent a couple. They were vipers. I, I hate to put it that way, but they were into our congregation to destroy it and, uh, and, and, and to attack our eldest daughter and try to draw her away from us. Uh, and uh, I, I was just desperate. And I went out and I sat in the car and I said, well, Lord, you know, you need to save our family and our church and please do it within four weeks. Um, actually, it's kind of interesting because you put a 30-day yeah, I just thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I know. This month. I, I mean, it was by the end of this month. That's what yeah, it was. It was the beginning of August, I think. And I was, I was desperate. My level of faith was not high. It was absolutely awful. And by the end of August, through a totally supernatural intervention, God broke the whole thing. My elders came to life. We ejected the people from the congregation. Our daughter was completely saved and, uh, you know, from disaster. And, and I think, man... You know, God is so faithful. Uh, sorry, I'm, no, I'm rambling, rambling no, a little bit now. awesome. So, can, so here, here's what they're saying as well. Here's what I hear from them. And here's what I would say to you. What do you want? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. right there, there's no amount of structures that we can give you or tools that we can give you so if you don't want him. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God gives you what you want. I mean, he's so gracious. It's like ridiculous. Like little humans, he's saying, well, I'm going to give you as much as you want. If you want a little help, you'll get a little help. If you want all of me, there's a different path. It may be more challenging. You're going to have to get more of you. Right? So it's not even about how much time do I have to have. Somebody said, how much time do you spend with the Lord? Um, like in, in personal devotion every day. And I said, as much as I need. And that's a lot. Right, right. <laughs> you know? So I've, I've really shied away from telling everybody, could you not pray an hour? Though I would recommend that. Yeah. Could you not do 30 minutes? Do five minutes. Um, I did to our congregation last week. We, we, we've been doing the Lord's Prayer is a tool. It's a, a process. Again, Larry Lee stuff, I learned that as well. And um, so I just said, all right, here's the deal. Because the number one reason is people can't spend time with the Lord's I'm too busy. I said, who goes to the bathroom every day? Yeah, who spends a little more time in there hiding than you should, right? <laughs> all right. So give me five minutes. You take that card, put it on your phone, put it in your hand. And when you sit down, whenever that is... And if you're not sitting down daily, we need to pray for that too. But whatever that is, there's your, there's your time. So you can't tell me you don't have time. Like you've got that. I mean, you, I got five minutes. If I can get you hooked on five minutes with God, maybe you'll do 10. Maybe you'll want to talk to him throughout the day. Right? So, so what I would say is there, there's this beautiful principle of the kingdom is that God responds to what we want. And he'll keep letting us do what we want until we want something else. Yeah. 
So if you want to learn how to walk with God, then you're going to have to give a little more of your time morning by morning to seek him in word, worship, and prayer. If you would like to have him involved throughout your day, then you're going to have to talk to him throughout your day. (laughs) And if you'd like a little more help and guidance in your life, then you're going to have to, if you, you know, it's that whole deal. If you, um, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. This is the Western dilemma. This is the American dilemma. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't live for yourself most of the day and say, oh yeah, God, I'd like a little help over here. He's still gracious even with that. But, but what Elaine's talking about, which I hope you heard, and of course it's David's life as well, She's saying, well, just take the opportunities that you have, but you see the longing of her heart. Like she wants to be with the Lord. And she's therefore all of life is worshiped to her because she's pleasing one and desiring one. The foundational times, the quiet times, they allow that, that desire to be strengthened. But this is what we're, what we're after. Somebody said, you know, um, uh, is it a quiet time, the goal? And I said, no, the goal is to walk with God 24 hours a day. But without a quiet time, I can't do that. Maybe you can, but, but I can't, not consistently. So then it becomes a place to serve my end goal, which is all of life to be worship unto God. Yeah, it's so good. I, I, I think that, you know, the dot you connected with some of what Elaine and David were saying is so important that we can hear, you know, like, well, just maybe it doesn't have to be an hour a day, but give them the opportunities. It's like, oh, yeah, now, now I need to wait for my opportunities. And the point is like, no, they're all there. All the opportunities are there if you want them to be opportunities. And it's that desire of the heart is like, no, I, I want to use every moment and I do have the moments. And I think that's what we've been learning this year. I mean, I think Jimmy's talking so much to us about this bring me another jar word. That that's the language that God's been talking to us in all year is like, just give me the empty moments. We talked about this at the beginning of the year that the, of course the Lord wants the, give me the hour, the five hours, the day away, all of that stuff's amazing. But this year, you know, God's been trying to teach us this truth that you there are moments all around and give me those two and let me fill you not because i not because i'm waiting for payment because i'm your savior and so give me give me the pennies too it's like no bring me the little moments so that i can fill you with my oil all day long and that's so rich and you know when you've done that this year you've you've tasted the lord in new ways i know i have tell me about how are you navigating even with the Lord, you spend time with God, you go through good seasons with the Lord, you grow in giving him more opportunities. And, you know, maybe y'all don't do this, but you get desperate. And so you start giving him more and then you experience the blessing and then you get cocky or satisfied one or the other or both. And then it's like, ah, oh, things got dry again or, or whatever. And just that, that coming back, like, is it just always a high for you guys? Is there ever the lows? And what do you, what do, you do? I would never say it's always a high. <laughs> no, it's more often a place of desperation. <laughs> because, you know, what's God's ultimate goal um, is, for, is for dependence. 
you know, I mean, the more, the less self-sufficient I am and the more dependent I become, then I'm probably in a better place for him to be able to use me. So I don't like it, I confess. You know, somebody quoted, his power is made perfect in weakness. And so, you know, it's not that I pray uh, to be, you know, to just always be like on this high. Sometimes I'm, I'm praying, most of the time I'm praying because I'm dependent. If he doesn't come, then I've got nothing to give because, you know, um, God takes us and challenges us and tests us and our whole Christian life. And it, the, the more you're responsible for, sometimes the, the bigger the, the testing comes because the enemy doesn't give up territory easily. And so you find yourself, I found in this later season, that the challenges have become harder and the dependence has become greater rather than, you know, that I've increased to such an extent that I'm kind of floating along somewhere. Sorry, that's not how it works. (laughs) Shoot a straight lane, that's so good. David, any thoughts? Desperation. It's like the widow in Luke 18. She's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, You know, the only asset she had was stubbornness and persistence. Uh, But she exercised it. And uh, I always think, you know, when Jesus had asked, seek and knock, uh, in Greek, it's the present continuous tense, which is quite significant, actually. Um, It's like the way we, especially in our Western Society where it's like you want to press the button on the machine and yes. everything, you know, just like I went to the coffee machine and yeah. and uh, uh, of course, you know, if you're apostolic, you get the special coffee in the back room. I noticed that, but <laughs> I, I just got the ordinary stuff anyway. I um, offered it. Okay, I, yeah, offered I noticed it. that. I, I asked. I asked. <laughs> you have not. Be- I guess you have not because you asked not. Anyway. <laughs> So we want to press the button on the machine, and, and out comes our answer, don't we? Um, but Jesus said, uh, ask and ask, and, and, you know, when you don't hear an answer, just keep, you know, knock and knock, and then when your knuckles get a little bit sore, well, just keep on knocking. And then when they start bleeding, well, just keep on knocking. That's what Jesus was saying. And we give up. We give up. But the widow didn't give up. That was the point. The widow was stubborn. And uh, she's a little bit like my wife, who fortunately isn't a widow. (laughs) Not yet, anyway. (laughs) We're sitting in England with my daughter and son-in-law. And my daughter's saying to my wife, you know, when dad dies, you can come and live. I said, wait a minute. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm not dead yet. I may be old, but I'm not dead. But, you know, ask, seek, and knock. And I I think uh, we've prayed prayers. Uh, that had been instantly answered. And, you know, we're the most shocked people. But we've prayed prayers for years that haven't been answered. And especially when it comes to your children, you know, you pray prayers, and you have to be aware that it's a process. And, and, and you know what? In the process, as you can keep on asking, asking, and asking some more, God actually changes you. And half the time you find out you're praying the wrong thing. 
Yes. You know, how many have had prayers you prayed and you thank God they weren't answered? You know? Yes. And, uh, and so God changes us in the process. Amen. That's good. You know, all these things are just, they just stir you to the next thing, right? But that asking, keep asking, seeking, keep seeking, knocking, keep knocking um, is just been something that I latch on to. And and what I would just say, faith is a lack of options, right? My faith is in God, who he is, his promise, his word, and the process is on me. So does God have of hope in a future? Absolutely. Does God have promises for his people? Absolutely. So it's not about God who isn't, who's unwilling or unable. It's about me allowing me to become the prayer, allowing the process to work in me through time, maybe to redirect the prayer. Um, and some prayers are answered in the next generation. I see that all the time working with young people. Somebody's grandkid is just on fire, and mom and dad kind of blew it with their lives, but grandma prayed, and you see that the prayer is still answered, right? So no, no prayer returns void, even if you don't see it in the moment. If it's by faith and it is the will of God, the desire of God, God still honors those prayers. And um, just one, uh, uh, you want to just stay on personal devotional life? I mean, that, that, yeah, great. So, so let me just say, for you guys in, in the room, what I know is there's, there's different places you are in the room. Some of you guys are new, not, maybe not in your faith, you got saved years ago, but you're new for being hungry for God or like believing that there's something more. And so this devotional life is your foundation that you have to get. Yes. Like, like we're talking about flowing, but, but remember Elaine said there was a foundation. I, I had deep seasons of the word. I don't know the word, so I need to read the word every day. I don't know how to pray, so I need to see first what does God say about prayer, and i got to start using some of these tools like the Lord's Prayer. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how to hear God yet, so I need to take some time and journal and wait on God and learn how to do these things. So if you're there, uh, which we're all cyclically there, but if you don't have that yet, then you need to do that. If you've had that, but your life's gone a bit dry then there may just be a perseverance stage that you're in, and that's where you knock and keep knocking beyond what you think you're able. But the deal is we should always pray and not lose heart or not give up, Luke 18.1. And um, I would just say, hey, keep persevering. Keep asking for prayer and support. Keep coming to the table. Keep keep hanging onto the altar um, because... That there, there will be a breakthrough, at least for you personally, even if you don't see it circumstantially, for those that keep coming. So it's not, um, um, I, if anything, I'm convinced of the older I get, the turtle wins every time. Uh, and the, 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 you know, the hare and the turtle's classic children's story, that story is like, 
profound. I mean, every kid and every parent needs to read the story for themselves and for the child because uh, the turtle wins every time. It's the plotter who never gives up that sees the glory of God. The hare gets momentary excitement, but not longevity and health. Amen. So if you are a tortoise in the room, we love you. Sometimes the hares, like, they try to take all the glory. You know? They it's look like, cool oh, for the moment. If we would just be, all be hares, like, that'd be great. No, 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 no. Let's all be, let's all be turtles. Yeah. Andrew, can I say something about Bible reading? That was going to be my next question. Can I ask my question, and then can you answer it first? You have such a spirit of control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You thought that was hilarious, didn't you? <laughs> I got the apostle on my side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Elaine. I appreciate that. You can stay up here. <laughs> yes. So um, we've talked a lot about we've talked about perseverance. We've talked uh, quite a bit about prayer, just loving the Lord, the presence of God in our quiet time, in different rhythms and all of that sort of thing. So I want to hit on Bible reading and hear from the three of you on a personal level. You know, you you've all been pastors. You've planted churches. Uh, at, uh, in different places all around the world. Ministry has looked different over the decades. There's been, you know, David, specifically for you, really uh, in the academic world as well, Jimmy, in like the global mission movement world. Elaine, you've been a part of all of it with David and helped driving that along with eight kids all along the way. How do you approach the Bible? How do you approach the Bible on a personal level? In the midst of all of that, how, how do you just as an individual come to the word of God consistently to yeah, what, you know, learn, pray it, be shaped by it, study the yeah, Greek so, and Hebrew, all of it? Help me well, out. you don't have to you study the Greek and Hebrew, but um, uh, as, a, as a young Christian, um, I started reading the Bible in a disciplined way and to me a disciplined way is reading a portion of scripture when I get up in the morning before I go to bed at night Uh, because you establish a habit and then it's a lot easier you know it's like going to the gym (laughs) if you establish a habit then you're more likely to stick to it and um, so but my bible reading was like a kind of an accordion so I kept increasing the amount that I would read, equal amounts of the Old Testament and New Testament. I got to the point where, as a young Christian, I was reading quite a lot. Like, I think it was 20 chapters a day, half of the Old and half of the New. And actually, if you do that, you can get through the New Testament in several weeks and through the Old Testament several times a year. And so I did that for quite a while, and it gave me a real foundation and I guess, you know, I could say, well, God was preparing me for teaching ministry, et cetera, et cetera. But what I found was, and then after a while, I reduced it. So for, you know, I don't know, decades now, I've read a chapter of the old and new in the morning and again in the evening, four chapters a day. That's just a discipline. But I used to keep a diary of how God spoke to me. Um, things that I would have in my Bible reading 
would come to pass in the day. Yes. Or things that, if it was in the middle of the day and I was reading at night, it was that. Yes. And it, it was extraordinary. It yeah. was supernatural. It's supernatural. Is, is yes. supernatural. Yes. And that, through all my academic study and all the rest of it, and, you know, there's so much garbage that goes on with... When, you, when people put the Bible under a microscope and, and approach it from an academic perspective, it's death. And... But I learned that the Bible is a supernatural weapon in the hands yeah. of God. It is the very breathed out, that's the word in Greek, the breathed out word of God. And, and I dare not offend God by questioning his word. There is no error in the word of God. It is total truth. And we lived and died on that and got, you know, criticized for it from time to time. But... Um, uh, and then, the, and then God speaks to you, you know, through his word in the most extraordinary ways. And, and so that's, I, I do encourage you, you know, to believe that God can speak to you through scripture. Uh, and it can be supernatural. And the other thing I'd like to say is that, and in my study of Revelation in recent years, um, uh, one of the things I noticed was... Um, in the book of Revelation, there are 404 verses. And when I do seminars, and I always ask people, how many Old Testament allusions do you think are in the book of Revelation? And nobody ever gets, gets it right. They're always too low. Anyways, there's over 500. That's 1.25 approximately per verse. Think about it. There's more allusions to the Old Testament of the book of Revelation than in the entire New Testament put together. Now, what, what am I going to say out of that? It's that, what is the longest prophetic vision in the Bible? It's the book of Revelation, right? And so here's a man that heard the voice of God. Now, we have this misconception in charismatic circles of prophecy as being somebody with, a, you know, you've got to empty your head and a bolt of lightning is going to strike you from heaven and you're going to start frothing at the mouth or doing cartwheels or something. And then out comes a thus I say at the Lord. And if you're Pentecostal, you add a syllable or two to it, all the rest of it. And it all sounds very spiritual. And, and it, 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 it's, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, what was that all about? You know, but you see, the Apostle John... His mind was full of the Word of God. Yes. It was so full of the Word of God that when God gave a prophetic vision to him, there was 1.25 Old Testament verses, references in every single yes. verse that he wrote. Yes. So we want to hear from God. We want to hear from God in our prayer time. We want to hear from God in the prophetic gift. Um, if your mind, and where did his head get full of the word of God? Well, obviously he was reading the scripture every day. He had to have been. So if you want to hear from God accurately in your life, and even in your prayer life hear from God accurately, then you need to have that foundation in the reading of the word of God. And anybody can read scripture. Anybody can sit down and read a chapter of the Bible. My dad got saved in the Plymouth Brethren in the uh, slums of Glasgow in the middle of the Depression in the 1930s, and most of the men in the church were illiterate, and they taught themselves to read so that they could read the scriptures. Yeah. And, um, and became... It became as those brethren assemblies. Their eschatology was terrible. But that's another matter. But those brethren assemblies produced the most astounding Bible teachers. None of them were educated, except by the Holy Spirit. And so my dad said to me, 
He said, the word of God contains the most profound truth, but if you can't explain it to the average person, you know, it has to be understandable to the average person. So this is the last thing I'm going to say. It's just that you don't have to have a PhD in theology yes. to read the Bible. If, you, if you're illiterate and have taught yourself to read like those people did, um, just so you can read scripture, God can reveal to you the most profound truth for your life. There's so much I want to say off of that. Uh, um, so around the world, everybody would might use different little acronyms and everything else. When you're approaching the Word of God, what does it say about God? What does it say about man? What do I obey? And then what do I share? In some ways, people do SOS. What does it say? What do I obey? What do I share? But when on the what does it say, you're looking for God. How is God revealing himself? Back to that relational connection to the scriptures, not just an intellectual connection, because it's God's word to man. So if I'm giving my kids instructions for the day, that's my word. That's God's word to man. You know, right? I'm trying to say, here's who we are as a family. Here's what we do. This is God's word to man. So where do I see God, his nature, his character in this passage? Where do I see man? What is he asking of man? Uh, and then what do I obey? And here's the deal about the scripture. The more you obey, the more you see. When people say, I don't get anything out of the scripture, to be quite honest, I, my, if, I, if, they could, if they were willing to take my feedback... Uh, which most people aren't, so I just l listen to them and then pray for them. So, but here's, here's the, if they like feedback, then I say, well, if it's dry, what's the last thing he told you to do and what you read yesterday? And if you would do that, I think it would come alive tomorrow because he has something fresh for today. Does that make sense? So this is kind of how it works, that as I listen or, to, or read the word of God and uh, meditate on it and then I respond to the word of God then it opens up to me more revelation from God it's a it's a parent-child relationship right until my kid learns to um, you know buckle their car seat we can't go to the next level of uh, can I do this, that, and the other, but if you won't buckle your car seat, then we can't let you open the car door, right? Or, you know, whatever. I have that goofy illustration. But I'm just trying to let you guys know, when you don't know what to do, think of what would a healthy family do? What, how do I, as a parent, when I'm at my best, what, what is it that I need my kids to do? And then just put it in a real holistic God context and, and one other thing, I was uh, uh, with uh, Travis and Jordan last night after our time together. I said, here's the deal. And I'm just going to let God translate this. I, I know this is going to stun you, but I'm not a humanist. I'm, I'm just not. I don't believe in man that much. I, I don't, I'm not a humanist. So because I'm not a humanist, I believe in a divine God that's given a divine word to finite man. 
So when I don't understand something, I don't accuse God. I said, wow, the human must not understand. And not God doesn't understand. God must have miswritten something by the Holy Spirit. I don't accuse God. I'm the human who is finite. He is the infinite God that in his divine wisdom has brought a bit of confusion to man through his book so that we might depend on God and find the deeper heart of God. And that even what I, you know, here's the other thing. We get tripped up. We read something like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. I guess I'll just pull away from God. There's so many, if you, if we would just take all the good stuff that you perceive as good stuff in this book and actually obey it, you'd change the world. And all the mystery stuff, you wouldn't even have to worry about it. Because you'd be so consumed with the love of God, the presence of God, the work of God, the supernatural of God, the, the, the joy of the richness of the family of God as you're obeying what you know of God, that the mystery wouldn't do it. But what it's like, it, there's two things that I just would beg you not to get hung up on. The mystery that I don't understand, um, because there's so much that I do understand that is very, very beneficial. <laughs> And then the mystery of unanswered prayer. I'm doing a prayer series right now. And what everybody keeps coming back. You need to talk about unanswered prayer. I said, well, the predominant thought throughout the New Testament is that God hears and he answers prayer. Why don't we talk about the predominant part of it and understand, yes, prayers are not all answered in my lifetime. I don't see things. There's situations. It's disappointing. But what if I actually believed in prayer activated, I would see a, a lot of prayers answered. And when I am disappointed, when the person dies or the thing doesn't happen or the kid is struggling, then if I would allow those disappointments to take their appropriate place under the brokenness of man instead of the accusation of God, then I would see more prayers answered and have more joy in my life to believe again for the very disappointment that I just experienced. Does that make sense? So if you would say with me, I'm not a humanist. I'm not a humanist. I'm not a humanist. <laughs> I don't. Yes, there. I think they said quite a lot. <laughs> I guess. That's um, so unlike them. I mean, I'm not an I'm academic theologian. Nor a humanist. Like my husband. <laughs> yeah. Nor a humanist. Uh, I think... Um, you know, I've always seen the Bible as him. Uh, you know, I mean, it's mm. he is the word. So, yes. you know, I approach it when I'm reading in the same way that I approach him in prayer. And, you know, with the expectation of him speaking to me, correcting me, you know, um, giving me the right direction, focus. Um, I mean, it's... To me, yes, there are mysteries and I don't understand, but, you know, uh, I mean, there's so much that is that I can focus on. Yes. And so I don't have to understand every mystery uh, because I know the person and it's a matter of trust. And we have to trust the word as much as we trust the person we pray to. And because if we don't have absolute truth and what what do we have to stand on you know so yeah that's can, can I say another thing on that 
as a young believer, um, like you said, David, uh, I was, there was the first few years, and please don't let this overwhelm you say, oh, I didn't do that. There was just a season that I had, and I was reading the Bible four hours a day because I didn't know the Bible, right? And so I needed, before we were going to learn and evaluate what everybody else thinks about the Bible, I thought I should actually read it myself, you know, and get, get my own take on it. <clears throat> Before I go to man, I probably should go to God. And so, but here's what I did. All the, I didn't understand half of all the prophets. Like, what in the world are they talking about? So I'd read for a couple of chapters and say, the wheels within the wheels within what? And then I would see, and I loved you with an everlasting love, and I've drawn you with cords of loving kind of, hallelujah! There's a, there's, a, there's a good word in Jeremiah, you know? So rather than sit around and get and quit, or get bogged down, just keep reading. You'll find some incredible hope that'll just blow you away. And then in the second time through, I learned a little bit more. And then the third time through, and the fourth time through, every time I go through, I learn more of how it all interconnects. And then I ask people like David or others along the way. But um, but my commitment is to, I'm looking for him through the scriptures and how I might live his life I'm not looking for um, just conquering the book I'm looking to let the book conquer me I give one really quick testimony before we finish about that when my dad died uh, and he had served the Lord from age 14 to 86 um, and I got to that my brothers my mother were there I got to the hospital too late and he had just gone home and um, anyway, they left, and I was alone in the room, and I, uh, I embraced him, and I wept, and I kissed him on the forehead. And uh, I went home, but I, I was still going to read my Bible. And this was my reading for that night. It was Genesis chapter 50, when uh, uh, Jacob... Uh, Genesis 50, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Uh, I felt really good about that. I needed Jacob and I gave you Joseph. That's good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that angels ascending and descending is really important because Jesus quotes it in John and says, I'm the, yes. the ladder and, and therefore the gate that Jacob saw is open. What yes. you're saying is absolutely right. And, and Joseph, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lysman, Jacob's body. Anyway, Joseph, as Jacob dies, this was my scripture. Uh, Jacob embraced his father's dead body. He wept over him and he kissed him. That's what it said. And in that moment... I knew that was the moment that God called my dad home. The last thing my dad ever said to me was, I just want to go and be with Jesus. And I said to him, you can't go, Dad, until God, until Jesus calls you. And he said, I know. And, and, and then a couple days later, that happened. And in that moment, now don't you tell me that the Word of God is just a, a document that men written. Don't you ever tell me that, because it isn't. And I stake my life on it. It's a supernatural word of great power. It's the sword of the Lord. It cuts to the division of joints and marrow and challenges us and encourages us. And, and uh, it's, it's just entwined with that place of prayer. 
uh, where we hear God and in His Word, and we're praying, and God's speaking to us, and all the rest of it. It's so rich. Don't let the devil, you know, steal the inheritance that God has for you. Amen. That's so good. One thing I'm so encouraged about by the three of you, as I've the last couple of years, I've kind of been trying to make some observations and look down the road and say, you know, who are the 60-year-olds, the 70-year-olds, the 80-plus-year-olds that, that have the life in God that I want? There's lots of smart people in the world. There's lots of great leaders in the world. But, but who've been doing it for 30 to 50 years and actually has something that I want? And one of those questions is the one I asked you, like, how, how, do, they actually, how do they approach the Bible? What's the attitude? What's the posture? And I'm finding that it's not the, the people that I look to and, and what I see in you guys, it's not the people who approach the Bible in order to learn the most about the Bible or the people who consistently read the Bible because they want to be encouraged personally. It's people who approach the Bible because they want, they want God to reveal himself, not like through their own eyes, but they want God to reveal himself because they want to know God and they want to be, and then personally, they want to be shaped by the word of God, not just encouraged. And I see that in you guys and you've been doing that for so long and you've been encouraging us in that this morning. And I want to say thank you for, for that and call us to that lifestyle of when I come to the word of God, like, what do I do with this thousand page book that's living and active and all like, like, what do I do with this thing? I come to it and say, okay, God, show me who you are and shape me into who you want me to be. Yes. And if we can, if we can just, if we can just start there and stick with that, then we're going to be the folks whether it's pastors and leaders and academics and PhDs or people just living the faithful, quiet life that are really big on the inside at 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, that's who we'll be. We'll be the people we want to be. So thank you guys so much for your time. Can we say thank you to them this morning? Well, we've got... Still some things left to do today. We've got some prophetic times happening here. So if you're signed up for that, uh, you can connect with Crystal or Chris. Chris, raise your hand, Chris. Uh, connect with Chris if you have questions about the prophetic times happening in the next couple of hours. And we will see you tonight. Wait, can, we want, can I just one prayer to end our time? Yes. Oh, oh, quick prayer. Great. Yes, I just want to do that because I, um, I'm going to have to head back and... God's given me this word about the open door, that God wants to open doors, not just for ministry or a breakthrough, but open doors into the revelation of himself in heaven. And I want to pray that prayer over you, that the open door of heaven, that, that Genesis 28, the quotation of Jesus, it would become, you'd walk out of here different by the Holy Spirit. So there is faith in my heart for God to open up the doors for you. And so let's pray. So Spirit of the living God, I pray over the men and women here and their children. And I just come with this word that God is opening up doors for your children to hear him, to experience him. Listen attentively to your children as they pray, as they worship, put them in environments that the open heavens can be accessed. 
And Lord, I pray for the men and women in this room. I pray for that Revelation 3 open door that no man can shut. Thank you that it's happened theologically or judiciously. You have opened the throne of grace. But I pray for it experientially. That everywhere they go, they would sense a new open door of access to grace. A new open door to access of revelation. A new open door to access of hope. A new open door to the access of faith. A new open door to the access of healing. A new open door to the access of provision. I pray for this individually, for each person in this room, for each couple, each child. And I pray for this church and community. It would truly be a church of the open door. That, that, that other that people would walk in this place and say, I don't know much about it, but there's an open door to heaven when we gather in this place. God, we declare that, we prophesy that over this community, and we also, God, we, we would just ask, Lord, let us see and let us hear the knock of your heart, the... the, the um, the door that you're opening, Lord, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, these simple words in this simple moment, may it shift eternity and individuals, marriages, and kids. May there be an outbreak of revival among the children in this moment as it's happened throughout history, as it's happening in different parts of the world. I pray that this would be one of those places where children experience the glory of God and declare in their innocence that God is alive and that the door is open. In Jesus' name, amen.